Welcome to the Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. For more information on how CertainPath can put your contracting company on a certain path to success, visit our website, www.mycertainpath.com. I hope you enjoyed today's show and take away another two. Chad, thank you so much for being here today. I greatly appreciate your time. Uh, for those watching or listening who have uh, not had the pleasure of meeting you, can you share with everyone your name, your company name, and where you guys are located? Yeah, thanks for having me, Bob. I sure. appreciate it. Uh, so my name is Chad Brown. Uh, I have a plumbing and HVAC company called Brown's Plumbing and Heating in central Canada. So um, it, we're just outside of the city of Winnipeg, which if you've ever seen any jokes about Canada, uh, it was probably about Winnipeg. So. <laughs> Thanks for having Tom. And uh, the, <laughs> the original, so where, where the office is, he said it's about an hour outside Winnipeg. Yeah, about that, yep. How large is the community? Like how many houses? Uh, like the actual community is like probably 20-ish. Yeah. There's the trading area around it. Might push it up. I don't actually know the number, 30, yeah. 40,000. But, but it's smaller. Yep. And you're starting to try to get into Winnipeg a little yep. bit. But yep. Very exciting. Very exciting. We're talking for a good reason. I know since you joined us, uh, business has grown considerably. Um, but I want to talk about operations and, and all the things you guys do to, to run a, a good business. But before we do that, I love learning people's business stories. I think it's fascinating. And like in your case, you're, yours is a family business, correct? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have what I would call like a legacy, family legacy business. And I think there's pros and cons to that. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it was started by my grandpa in 1974. My dad and my uncle had joined him, I think the same year. Uh, and so my dad actually ran the company for most of its time. And if anybody's seen our, our logo or our mascot, that's actually a cartoon of my dad. And that's legitimately what he looks like. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I worked there about 15 years and I purchased it from my parents. My wife and I did approximately five years ago. What were you, what, what, I bet you've had what, every role probably imaginable. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when I started there, there was no intent of, you know, me purchasing the business on either side, I don't think, or at least no pressure for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I started off kind of doing some dispatching and, and some sales yeah. right from the get go. And then, you know, it was sort of a natural progression. Uh, I took on more leadership and my dad allowed me to have more leadership, mm -hmm. um, to kind of, I guess, being the de facto GM after a few years. I don't remember how long exactly. And then we had a conversation ongoing for probably five years about um, me purchasing it. And so it was, you know, we got to talk to the lawyer. Yeah. And then a couple months later, you talk to the lawyer. And then we got to talk to an accountant. So a couple months later, you talk to an accountant. So it was a, it was a sort of a long draw process. Yeah. But that's okay. Like, yeah. we were okay with that. But everyone was ready to for that next step. Your, your dad was ready and you guys were ready. Yeah. 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 And it, does your wife work in the business? Nope, not on the day-to-day. -day. So uh, I would consider her part of my leadership team. We have um, every month or every other month, we'll do sort of a strategic planning for the afternoon. And so it's my operations manager, my sales manager, myself, and my wife. And so we'll sit and kind of talk about what are the strengths and weaknesses and what are we doing next. And So she's a part of the big picture. She's here at Expo, but um, not in the day-to-day. -day. Sure, sure. I... I you did a beautiful job of outlining your leadership team. You made that that question easy. To, so I know that. How about uh, your your field in your office teams? How how many uh, salespeople or technicians mm. you run in each? Yeah, 
Oh man, I should have had this number ready for you, Bob. Well, ballpark it. That's yeah. Uh, we are like, if you include like uh, service techs and helpers, we're probably ten or twelve in the field, and we would be two, five in the office, and then we have two people. So the sales manager I mentioned, he's actually been my ops manager in the past, but he moved into a sales role, so he's a full time sales guy. And then I have another guy who's my sort of salesman in wait in waiting. So he does inside sales. He does some outside sales as well. Uh, as soon as we can generate enough leads, he'll become a full-time salesperson right. as well. Right. Very good. Now, are your technicians cross-trained? They do plumbing and yeah. I've seen can with Canadian members, that's very common, but it's not in the state. That's it, why I think it's fascinating. Yeah, I agree. I think when I joined SGI, my eyes, it took a while, but my eyes were open to how those were really two separate trades. And yet for us, it's almost without question, like right. you do both. But um, we actually, me and the leadership team, we we're talking about that a little bit this morning. We we value versatility so much. It makes dispatching our technicians and, and ha keeping them busy yeah. a lot easier. But I think it also has some challenges with, you know, um, what's the old saying? Um, master of... Oh, master of none. Yeah, jack of all trades, trade, master, master of none. You yeah. got there. We go. We yeah. just swerved into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so it's, sometimes there's some issues with that. That's a lot to. That's a lot to know. I'm not technical at all. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's sometimes it's not. It's the technical part, but it's also the, you know, we were as an example. If we have a cross-trained technician and he runs a rotor router call, and we expect him to, you know, offer an upsell, a camera, and a bio one. But he's not doing that every day. It seems to get sort of forgotten mm. uh, a lot easier. Whereas if you can focus and be excellent in one area, I think right. there's some advantages to that. Right, too. right, right. For sure. We'll get into more operational stuff in a minute. Sure. Uh, I kind of want to talk again. Uh, you joined the organization five or six years ago. You said ballpark or something like that. Like Certain Path? Yeah. Yep. Certain Path at yep. GI at the time. Yeah. What, 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 what was the genesis of that decision? Yeah, so um, at the time, I don't know if you guys are doing it now, but at the time you were having your success days in Canada. Mm -hmm. And so we were reached out to cold by um, by one of your lead setters. Yeah. Um, and so we thought we would, we had heard of you, we'd heard of PSI. And so sure. you know, my dad was familiar with it. Um, so we decided to come out to the profit day and Ray was actually leading it. Yeah. And so, you know, I think we've always been a little bit more like, I don't know if I want to use the word progressive, but forward thinking and, and trying to be operationally excellent. And so we knew we needed something. We just didn't know exactly what that looked like. Right. And so, yeah, that, that day right then and there, we, we kind of knew this was for us. Me and my dad had intended it together yeah. and we decided to sign up. So, because you guys were quite a bit smaller back then, you were around a million dollars or something. Yeah. I don't remember the exact number, yeah. low, low million probably. Right. You guys are all wearing the hats, right? You're you're busy all you know running a lot of hours. I'm sure a lot of that was was uh, impetus to join. Yeah, just try and get more operationally efficient. Yeah. So no, go ahead. Well, I, one I was just it made me think. One of the things that I think I bring that's somewhat unique is I don't t really have a trades background myself, and so there's some pros and cons to that you talk about being operation operationally excellent and. So I cannot go out and help my guys on the tools. I simply don't have the technical know-how. Yeah. And so I think that has some challenges, but it also sort of forces me to stay focused on the business side and how do we grow and how do we be profitable. Right. So. For sure. For sure. Um, 
you know, after a profit day or success day, yep. there's EP, executive perspective, yep. where you get the, the fire hose treatment and learn yep. everything. Where, what did you, was that in Dallas at the time? It was in Dallas and it was before you guys, I think we were the last session of EP before you guys moved into your office. So we were actually still in the hotel. Oh, yeah. maybe I was at that one. I don't go to them very often, but I, I remember it was at the hotel. It might have been the last one. It was, yep. I forget what that was, but either way. Yep. Okay. Very interesting. Yep. So what was that week? What was that week like? It was good. It was like you said, drinking from fire hose. You know, I don't think we were so early in our growth or in a progression that it was all like new like it wasn't like i was a only operator in a truck but at the same time it was for sure drinking from a fire hose and how do you uh i'm a fairly driven person so i wanted to do everything the next day yeah um and that that's not reality <laughs> uh and so yeah it was a lot do you remember what uh what two or three you said you want to do everything we kind of got to do the two to three things at yeah. the time you remember what those were for people that are, you know, we're in your shoes now yep. back then. Yeah. I think we had uniforms, but it was time to revisit it and tighten it up. Yeah. Uh, we'd gotten sloppy. So I think it was uniforms. Um, when we joined, I did not intend to start using the straightforward pricing guide. Okay. Um, but I think I came back from EP and said, we got to do this. So I think it was that um, almost right away. Yeah. And, you know, probably I would imagine tweaking our sales process on the HVAC replacement side. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. How how were you, how was your pricing on, on service and install? Uh, um, we thought we were high because everybody thinks that they're high, but we had to increase it significantly more, I think. Right. You know, maybe not day one, but in that first year we had some, some adjustments to do. Sure. Sure. So, I mean, tight, but you know, we charge more, you got to pr- provide more value, perceived yep. value at least. Yeah. Said tightening up the uniforms. How about like warranty or guarantees? Rather, we were you know putting them in print with the straightforward price test there, and you know getting the guys to to talk and communicate about that. Mm-hmm. I think I was a slow uh, uptake on the written guarantees. Yeah. We probably didn't put that in our sales process until um, three or four years in. Probably, okay. yeah, that was. Sure, sure. How about uh, like service fees? You know, I know a lot of people are like, I mean, you give a free estimate on a new system. I know people do that, but but like for plumbing, I don't know. Did you have service fees already built in and all that? We did. Uh-huh. I think we had to increase them pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, we did have a service fee. So that wasn't, you know, a hurdle necessarily for my team. Right. How about answering the phones? Do you remember back then who was doing the phones? Were yep. you answering the phones or do you have somebody? Uh, yeah, we were answering the phones. I think we were, again, maybe a little bit ahead of the chuck in a truck kind of thing. Yeah. But you, there's always scripting that you can improve. Right. You know, there's things that kind of blow your mind because you're used to doing them one way. And so the idea of, you know, dispatching for profits and um, right tech, right job, yep. maybe even being willing to overbook in order to get the right calls on the schedule. Those were things that, you know, you can, we were probably a little bit hard headed on at first and sure. like takes a little while to adopt. Yeah. I mean, it's a little difficult to accept, well, we got to move people around and we told them we were going to show, I get, I get that for sure. But if you communicate it right, yeah. people get it and they're like, oh, okay, well, great. I can run another errand or something like yeah. that. Who manages uh, dispatching for you guys now? Uh, so we have a team of two... This might not be the the right way to do it. Oh, that's all right. We have two CSR dispatchers. They share the duties. One sort of designated as CSR and one sort of designated as dispatch, but there's heavy overlap between the two of them. Um, And then our operations team leader, who actually started with us as a CSR, brand new to the industry, um, 
she's our operations team leader. And so she would oversee not only the technicians, but also, you know, the CSRs and the scheduling as well. So okay. she'd keep an eye on it. Do they set the board in the, in the morning then too, or do you have some manager input in setting the board in the morning? They have quite a bit of freedom on setting the board. Uh, and I would say it's more like they set the board the night before, at least for the start of the day. But there's all there'll always be some manager oversight and going, okay, do we have enough work? Who are we sending where? What's going on? What does this look like? That's a great point you bring up because a lot of people are like, it, they don't they don't look the day before for, at the call call board, which you got to. So when does your team get together? You go, okay, let's make sure we need to move things around if we have to. Is yeah, it three o'clock the day before. Yeah, pretty much. So they're always looking at you know moving things around, but we ask them to start confirming their call the calls, all the calls for the next morning by three o'clock. Yeah. And they're not really supposed to leave until they either have confirmation or at least have called, left a voicemail, and sent a text message, uh, you know, reminding customers about the next. Sure, sure. That's such a big part of it. Support for this podcast comes from Renai. Renai is the number one selling brand of tankless water heaters in North America and the first major tankless manufacturer to produce products right here in the USA at their new state-of-the-art facility in Griffin, Georgia. Long known for quality and innovation, Renai makes the most energy-efficient and long-lasting water heaters available, with an average life expectancy of 20 years and annual energy savings of up to 40% when compared to standard tanks. For more information about Renai and their latest tankless water heaters that feature smart circ intelligent recirculation, go to renai.us and learn more. Uh, how about like club memberships? Is that something you guys had in place back then? Is that a big part of the business now? Yes, yes, we did have them in place. Uh, we call them our MVPs. So if I slip that term in, no, that's all right. Uh, unintentional. No, I like it. Um, yes, yeah, so we had them. We we've to be perfectly straightforward. We've struggled to sell as many as we would like mm -hmm. and get the uptake from our customer base. We have about five hundred. Oh, okay. Um, would love to see double, triple that many. Sure, the five hundred solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, how, what, what do they get? What are the benefits of the MVP quality? Yeah, so our MVP includes three inspections. So one for plumbing, one for heating, okay. and one for cooling. Okay. We try to split them up into three separate visits when possible. So we're in our customers' homes three times a year. That doesn't always work. Sometimes they want two in one visit or, you know, we fall behind. Um, so they get the three, three precision tune-ups and then they get priority service. They get a 15% discount on service, um, service repairs. Um, no overtime fees. We do charge a higher service fee and repair fee after hours, but yeah. not for our MVP members. Um, you know, and, and then the regular things like peace of mind, knowing that their equipment's kept up to date. Um, that's great. It's helped probably offset when there's the typical lulls and shoulder seasons and stuff like that. Absolutely. Like I think this last year or two, I don't, I don't know what we would have done without our MVPs because there are certain times of the year it's just really, really hard to make the phone ring. Right. Uh, and so that's our go-to. You know, we get on our CSRs and go, okay, three days out, the schedule's looking pretty bare. I need you to get a couple of um, MVP tune-ups on the board yeah. to at least start the guys off in the morning. Right. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up outbounding. How frequently is your are your two people in there outbounding to club members or to, you know, unclosed sales opportunities, stuff mm -hmm. like that? Yeah. So just to be clear, you're not talking about cold outbounds. You're talking about either follow-up gold dusting or MVP tune-ups. Yeah. I mean, or just in general, like yeah. tell me what, what all they're doing yeah. in terms of outbounding. Yeah. So I would say MVP tune-ups, we don't have a set rule. It'll depend on the time of year, sure. but I would say a couple times a week, they're making some outbounds for that kind of stuff. Yeah. What we would call gold dusting, um, 
which I think is Sonia's term, I believe, yeah. or Missy. Anyway, it's been around. Yeah, it's been around. <laughs> uh, that we actually have a separate person. So we have a, a former CSR that's, uh, I think I mentioned him earlier, that he's going to be a full time salesperson, but yeah. he currently does our inside sales, which would be our gold dusting. That's great. So he stays on that sort of daily, you know, yeah. whatever there is to follow up on, he stays on it. So explain for people that don't know what that is. Yeah. Gold dusting is for you guys. Yeah. So for us, that basically means um, if we go to a customer's house, we expect our technicians to make recommendations when they're there. And if the customer doesn't go ahead but shows some interest, we will call them to follow up. So sometimes it's my spouse isn't home. Sometimes it's I need to think about it, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, we had just switched CRMs. And so now there's a lot more um, tracking built into our software that will help us for that. So to this point, we have not called to follow up on every open lead. We've called to follow up on ones where our technicians say, Hey, this customer was interested in this. Could you could you follow up? And sure, talk? sure. Yeah. What's that phone call look like for that gentleman? Then? Uh, really, just that. Just hey, you know, this is so not too not too aggressive. No, not at all. And you know, we'll keep kind of keep calling them until they tell us they're not interested, but we're not going to badger them. Yeah. Um, but it, it really, I think you need to view that as you're doing a service to that customer because they really do want the service. They just needed a chance to think about it or whatever. Um, and unfortunately, I can't tell you how much revenue we've booked off that, but I know it's significant. Again, yeah. there's times of the year where that has allowed us to keep our technicians going throughout the day. Right, right, right. Yeah, some, I mean, sometimes people are like, oh, I didn't expect to have to spend that. Right. You just kind of have to wrap your brain around it. And then right. finally, like, you know what? It really makes the most sense yeah. uh, for my for, for the family. How much has uh, financing been a big part? Is that a big tool that you guys utilize? Yeah, yeah. We uh, So with the financing company we use, we can finance anything over $1,000, so repairs wow. or replacements. Just getting the team to buy in and understand that they need to always present a payment option. Yeah. Um, because as soon as you say to a customer, would you like financing? I think sometimes the pride of that customer kicks in. They say, oh, I don't need financing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a little bit more challenging lately with interest rates rising. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. So I was, yeah, that kind of leads into a, an obvious, you know, when you first join, you know, your your prices are going up. You're asking guys, so we got to tidy up these uniforms, got to do the shoe covers and mats and this and that. Well, comes, you, 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 there's also this component of training. Right? Mm -hmm. you gotta, you've got to know how to go through the steps of the call yep. and do an inspection and communicate the value of that. How have you guys used training in your, in your yeah. company? Oh man. So I think we've always been a proponent of training, but I think I came back from EP going, I can teach my guys this. Yeah. Uh, I know this stuff. It's not, not that I don't, you know, not that I don't know how to do it. And I, you know, I make my living talking to people. So I, I don't struggle with the scripting. I can, I can show them. Right. So I'll role play with them. And then I would feel like I got to the point where I kind of felt like I was hitting my head against a wall. They didn't seem to get it. And it was frustrating to me because I felt like I'm giving you the answers. Why are you not receiving said answers, yes. you know? And so, you know, I think I had to come to the conclusion or the realization that sometimes they need to hear it from somebody else. And so, you know, using the certain path training, sending our guys to the classes, uh, they hear it from somebody else and they'll come back and go, hey, Chad, this is a great idea. We should implement this. And I feel like punching them in the face because I've been telling you this for five years. But there's, you know, the old proverb, a prophet is welcome anywhere but in his hometown. Yeah. So they need to hear it somewhere else. We tried doing some of it um, remotely, like on Zoom, because, again, you guys offer that. Yep. Uh, and for us being in Canada, 
the logistics of the flights and the hotels and the exchange rate, it becomes quite expensive to, to come to send them to training. And so we tried to avoid it. But uh, again, I think in the last couple of years, I've realized that they really need to hear from somebody aside from me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you guys still have regular training meetings every week or they kind of touch base on, on all this stuff? Yeah. So our meeting cadence is we have a, like an all hands staff meeting once a week. We'll do a lot of updates. Um, and then we try and do a bit of role playing at the end. So we'll run a call with the CSR having directly and the technician. Again, you've, you kind of are, are showing my true colors. We don't do it probably as often as we should, but sure. we do that there. And then our technicians have another meeting once a week uh, where they'll sort of alternate between a technical yeah. uh, topic, you know, if we've had callbacks or that type of thing, and then some soft skills, like how are we going to present these options or what does that look like? Right, What right. questions are we going to ask? How did you get your guys to buy in and doing the options? I mean, you know, the inspection of the options is so foreign to a lot mm-hmm. of technicians. Like, is it just talking about it consistently and, mm-hmm. hey, there's the value of it for the homeowner, to just all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I heard a saying that, uh, in leadership, you have people need to hear things seven times. Okay. And so when you've told them once or twice, you got to stop saying, I've already told you twice. You got to start saying only five more times. Mm-hmm. So it's really repetition. Um, I, I really am a strong believer in explaining why I want things done. So helping them understand this is going to help our business. This is going to help you as technicians make more money. It really is a, truly is a service to the customer. Right. Uh, how dare we go into their homes? and not show them what's going on and what they can do about it. Because a lot of times they really don't know. So I think it's helping them understand why, and then a lot of repetition yeah. uh, is kind of what it comes down to. Do you frame it as good, better, best, or you just call three options? What do you guys do? Good, better, best. Good, better, best. Yep. And, and with your unique ability, your technician's unique ability to do you know, HVAC and plumbing, is there a lot of combination in those options sometimes? There can be. Um, we try and ask them to be cognizant of you know, if you're working on the sump pump and they haven't mentioned anything about their furnace, don't make your top option replace your furnace. You yeah. know, uh, it comes off as too salesy. But we do try to encourage them. Ask a lot of questions. The more conversation you can have, now you've really earned the right wow. to make that recommendation and potentially talk about a furnace or potentially talk about, you know, another piece of equipment if you've had it, the appropriate conversation before it. You also asked before about how do we get them to present options. I think... Part of my role in leadership, too, is we have to, as I mentioned, show them why, repeat our message, but yeah. then hold some accountability. Right. So, you know, we do ask it on our debrief, what were your options? And then uh, we'll have one-on-ones with our technicians, too, and go, like, how have the options been going? What's What does that look like? And so they need to know, too, that we we didn't just ask them to do what we expect them to do, but we'll be following. How frequent do you do the one? Uh, with, our, with our field staff, it's once a month. Okay. That's yeah. great. And who, who manages that? My operations team leader. Okay, that's fantastic. It's just what simple check-in. This is what we expected you to do. Yep, yep. So we have this format that we follow uh, that I took from a different organization, but it's called goal setting and review. So it's going to be kind of like a, hey, how are you? How's the family? What's going on? Yeah. How are you feeling? And then it's going to be reviewing your numbers, whatever KPIs we set out from last month. And then it'll be setting some new goals. So what revenue do you want to hit this month? How many club memberships do you want to sell this month? Um and let them speak into it. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they'll take a little more ownership of those goals. Is compensation tied to that? In some there is some like spiffs. Yeah, some spiffs and some bonuses. Yep. Okay, very yep. good. Um, you know, you've, you've grown considerably since you started with us. It means you've added technicians, I'm sure, apprentices. Mm-hmm. 
how are you, that's a big, right, always a hot topic. So how are you finding people to add to the team? Yeah. Love this question. (laughs) Love this question. Would you like me to answer that in regards to hiring and in regards to training new technicians? Let's start with the hiring one. Okay. Yeah. So SGI, Certain Path talks about 30% of your time as a manager should be dedicated to hiring. Now, I'm not here claiming that I spend 30% of my time. But the message of you have to spend time um, is so critical. I, I think if you're really dedicated to it, uh, there's been some coaches with certain path in the past that have talked about some of the processes and how you use Indeed and how you use different assessments and stuff. Um, I think that's really important. I think if you spend dedicated time, you can find some candidates. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying they're they're sitting there waiting and you can no. have your pick of the litter. It's hard. Um, but one of the things I find frustrating is when Business owners um, do a really, really poor job of hiring. They'll do a 15-minute or a half-an-hour coffee break with this guy and then hire him. Right. And then they wonder why they have bad employees. Right. Well, I mean, I'm sorry to break it to you, but it's your own fault. Yeah. Uh, you got to do a better job hiring. You got to do a better job onboarding. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm a firm believer in spending time and effort and money on those things. Sure. And I'm happy to go into that more. Yeah. I was like, for example, in your interviewing, I know mm-hmm. interviewing is so important trying yeah. to figure out. Do I have a good person here? Yeah. You know, so how do you, what are some good questions or, or what are things you ask to draw out? What kind of person I'm sitting right. across? So, you know, all, all interviewing and hiring is sales to some extent. So I'll tell you what our, what our, you know, process is for hiring. Yeah. Not saying we have it perfect and we do, I will tell you up front, we do not bat a thousand. You know, I'll spend all this time and money and we'll still, we'll still miss. Perfectly natural. Yeah. uh, Basically when I get an uh, applicant in, I try and call them same day, 10 minute phone call. How you doing? I'll ask some pre-screen, pre-screen questions. Yeah. Like, would you be willing to pass a criminal record check and a drug test? Some things like that, that are sort of, could potentially uh, eliminate some headache for me. Sure. Then if we are interested, I will send them an email with uh, a little video about us. We just have a YouTube video, Why Work at Browns. Oh, nice. And then there's two assessments in there. So one is Culture Index. um, And the other one is an assessment that has some aptitude portions to it as well. Okay. Then if I uh, are still interested and they're interested, we'll set an interview, an in-person. Typically make them come to my office and I'll give them a little tour. Uh, that interview is anywhere from half an hour. If I, if I know early on, I don't like them, I'll cut it short. If it's a good interview, it's north of an hour, probably two. Yeah. Well, north of an hour. Uh, and I, I don't ask a lot of technical questions there. Um, I can see what they can do technically from their resume. I'm asking things like how would, I'm looking for certain characteristics, like what's their attention to detail? How driven are they? How, um, you know, how goal-oriented are they? How good are they at interacting with customers? Will they take ownership for their own mistakes? Right. Um, there's a book, as a side note, uh, by Patrick Lencioni called uh, The uh, the, per- the Ideal Team Player. Mm-hmm. Really worth a read. It has some good interview questions in there. And I think my best interviews, we get really personal. Like, I've had people, you know, almost talking about their past and, like, you know, almost needing a tissue and that type of thing. Sure. And, and then I know that I've got somebody who's being really genuine. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, if they're um, on board, I will set a ride along. Okay. Um, and so they will come ride with one of our technicians, usually like a sort of like a crew lead type position mm-hmm. for minimum a half a day. Uh, I do not pay them for this. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't pay them for that because if they 
demand money, they're probably not the right person for me. Right. We will buy them lunch and I will try and get as many people in that room for lunch as possible. Very good. Uh, like CSRs, whatever. And then, you know, we'll usually at that point do a second interview with another manager. Um, and so that would be sort of my minimum and I'll call references. So that's sort of my minimum to hire anybody. That's great. Um, so I would say before I hire anybody, I probably have four to five hours of my own time invested plus that ride along. Yeah. Um, that's important. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah. Now, is it mostly only experienced technicians you're hiring or nope. you do it? So, so you have a lot of apprentices as well. Yep. Yeah, and and that's that same you know we follow those same steps. Yeah, we might abbreviate some of them if it's a more entry level position, but basically it's the same same steps. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then would you like to talk about training a little bit? As yeah, well? let's go to the onboarding. I mean, the next step oh, on, is onboarding. Yeah, yeah after yeah. after they're hired, let's go ahead and go yeah. that. So we've tried to really drill down into that. We will spend basically the first week the first day is kind of hey we want you to feel loved we want you to feel welcome we want you to feel like you're here we want you to know who your manager is we want you to know you can talk to people yeah then we kind of uh the first the rest of that first week is a combination of following certain paths onboarding process with the with the videos and how to run a perfect service call talking about a technician um and then they will spend a half a day riding along sitting along with our csrs yeah They'll spend a half a day with our warehouse person. They'll spend a half a day with our bookkeeper. That's great. Then the second week, kind of as a minimum, they would be riding along with somebody else while we try and get at least a few role plays in with them through the week. Yeah. Um, so minimum two weeks would be that onboarding um, before we would let them run a call on their own. Yeah. A lot of times that might be a little bit longer. Support for this podcast comes from Dynamic Air Quality Solutions. Since 1982, Dynamic has been the leader in designing, manufacturing, and distributing IAQ products to the commercial and residential markets through authorized HVAC contractors. Certain PATH members receive the exclusive value of the Clean Air Defense System private label to drive your brand in the market you serve. Our commitment starts with support. We provide you with world-class industry-leading technical and communication training, face-to-face -face and online. Become a Clean Air Defense System Indoor Air Quality Partner and dominate your market. Visit worldclassiaq.com for more information. And then from there, you just kind of, it's what, talking to them every day, how's that going, watch the performance. Yep. That's great. And yep. then you have the normal training that you're, you're doing that we talked about before. Yep. Very good. Okay. Um, do you guys, uh, you, you were talking about, Performance management list. Do you guys still do do goal boards and stuff like that, or are really the one on one supplemented that? Um, I would say we have not been doing goal boards, but not because I don't want to. It's uh, sort of a probably a longer story than is really interesting to talk about. <laughs> but basically, it comes down to we need to uh, complete our software changeover. Okay, and then I want to have goal boards up. I'll still still keep that in front of. Me. That's interesting. I've talked to some some members now that are going. Well, it's been a demotivator, and now we're doing one on one goals. So I didn't know if maybe that was something. Yeah. With a, a newer generation of technicians, it's been a, it's become a topic that I didn't even think would be a topic. But here we are. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Um. In terms of the numbers, we haven't talked about the numbers, but obviously that's a huge part of the business. Yeah. Making sure you're hitting the right gross margins. So yep. ultimately the net profit is there. What do you, I mean, how are you watching that? I know you're switching softwares over, so that's probably offering some challenges and yep. stuff like that. But how frequently, you know, once you get it set up, are you are you keeping an eye on your gross margin and, and materials and, and labor and all that good stuff? Yeah. So up until now, it's, I could only truly look at 
I could look at revenue numbers daily, but sure. gross margin and net profit really at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that we get that a little better dialed in with some of our job costing and stuff with the new software. Uh, but I do have sort of a once a month intensive. So my bookkeeper, I expect her to have the month closed and completed by like between the 8th and the 10th. And the, around the 10th, we are setting aside an afternoon to go over the numbers. And so, you know, there's several different spreadsheets we use and stuff, but basically we're looking at gross margin by department. Yeah. Um, and then we can look at different technicians' performance a little bit, look at our cash flow plan to know what's coming up over the next couple of months, because uh, it's not fun letting know to cash. So with your apprentices, obviously you have a number of apprentices. How do you decide if this is a person who's going to be better at as an install type situation, or better at service, or eventually sales? Mm -hmm. How do you how do you decide that? Um, the blunt answer, sure. I don't really care. Yeah, uh, I'm looking for good people. So again, you go to the ideal team player, humble, hungry, smart. I, people who are people smart, people who are going to be well-spoken, people who are intelligent, uh, humble and can accept responsibility for their mistakes. We can figure out the rest later. If they're going to, you know, we talked about how most of my technicians are cross-trained. Yeah. But they'll still have a 10, you know, a strength. So whether these new apprentices are going to kind of take the plumbing path, the HVAC path, the install path, it doesn't really matter. I want A players in my organization. Yeah. Um, now, of course, there are times where you need a specific role filled, and so you'll look for that a little bit more. Sure. But uh, mostly we want we want the right people on the team. That's great. That's great. Uh, we talked about your management team early on. How frequent are you guys talking and, and conversing? I think you mentioned there's a st strategy meeting once yep. a month. Yep. Are you Is it once a week? Are you guys getting together going over, you know, yep. calls and stuff like that? Yeah. So our meeting cadence on that front is I, my direct reports, which is my ops manager, my sales manager, one other sales, this inside salesperson, I meet with them weekly. So we will do like a goal setting interview with them. So I'm going to go over that with them. What are their main objectives for the week? What does their calendar look like? I'm a big believer in block scheduling and using, you know, your Google calendar. So yep. we look at their calendars together and look, look what that's going to look like for this upcoming week. So that's a one-on-one. -on -one. And then we also try and have with me, the ops manager and the sales manager, um, once a week, we'll try and do a weekly check-in as well, Friday. So what went well? What didn't go well? What's our gross margin? What are some opportunities for improvement this week? That's right. Um, I like to, I feel like a big part of my role is facilitating good communication. Yeah. Um, my people in general like each other and they're happy to talk, but they wouldn't carve out the time if it wasn't for me. And so we need to facilitate those conversations as well for it. Stay in touch. Yeah, for sure. I want to talk about kind of like um, leadership and culture. I mean, you said humble, hungry, smart. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have other core values that you kind of uh, abide by or, yeah. out, you know, help run the company by? Yeah. So our sort of vision, no, not vision, but value statement would be, we want to be loyal team players that you'd be comfortable sending into your own grandmother's house. Oh, that's great. So the three traits there are loyalty, team player, and somebody that you'd send into your grandmother's house. And that last one I really love because I find it paints a really vivid picture for most people. It's not always exactly the same picture, but it really covers, you know, our uniforms, matters, honesty, integrity, working hard, technical know-how all these types of things. So those are the traits that we're looking for. Um, uh, I think it was Brandon Jones used to say, we want OKG. So we want our kind of guy, our kind of gal, right? Yeah. We don't have to be best friends, but we should be able to get along yeah. um, and have some common common thoughts and threads and values uh, in life. Uh, I don't believe that there is two Bobs. I don't believe there is work Bob and home Bob. 
uh, when I hire somebody, you're hiring the entire person. So you really want to look at who is that person as, as a whole. Right. How did you build your, your deck, that value statement? Was it just, you're like, Hey, we came back from an expo or you read a book. And you're like, I need to sit down yeah. and figure out what I want my business to be. That one, we worked with a local company to help us build, yeah. build those values and flesh them out. And, and then, yeah. So we just did that with a local company a couple years ago. How frequently are you, are you communicating and bringing that up to the team? So that's just refer, you know, it's, it's top of mind, right? Yeah. Cause it's easy to get stuck in the day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say not often enough. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. It's easy to get, get stuck into the day. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I, I hope that we communicate it through our actions. Like, you know, when we enforce uniforms or we enforce honesty, you know, like I try not to tolerate any dishonesty as much as I can in my organization. Yeah. So even if it's something as simple as, you know, my call takers take a call and somebody wants to talk to me, don't say I'm not there. Yeah. If I am, you tell him he's not available, but let's, let's be honest in what we do. Yeah, or if we've got a, a special order pardon for a customer. Um, but we don't have time to get there today. We don't tell them the park didn't come in. We right. we tell them we're not able to get there today. That's good. Whatever. So really want that to be, you know, as close as we can to 100% honesty. Right. Yeah, because you, you do those little things. Mm -hmm. It can lead to the big things, right? Yeah. How has, but I, I think, you know, you said you were giving, you know, you were straightforward. You said we don't talk about it enough, but you've done a great job, I think, and it sounds like your hiring process mm -hmm. to make sure people meet those. So, I mean, that's that's a big part of the business right there. Yep. Um, how is Turk, turnover been since you kind of have this new process is it slowed down some or is it still kind of something you're struggling with that's a you man you're hitting on some really good topics here bob there's we've had some turnover over the last year year and a half mm -hmm. more than i'd really like because sure. turnover is expensive um but i also think that people hold up um retention as this holy grail right that they should have zero percent turnover uh, and i don't believe that i think we want to hire well. We want to do a good job in our interviewing. We want to bring on the right people. We want to do the best we can. But you do not want to keep people around that shouldn't be in your organization. Yes. So have we had some turnover? Yes. Has it been a little more than I'd like? Yes. But I also don't think 100% retention is what we're aiming for. No, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, there's some people, I mean, if you have all the processes in place, right? And then you've, you've done as best a job as you can to, to identify good players. But sometimes you don't know right. until they're there. Right. So this, the the goal is to make sure it's not a giant percentage. Oh, and yep. turnover. Yep. Um, just kind of in wrapping up, you know, uh, you've mentioned some of the tools that you've used with with us and a certain band. In general, for I mean, we get a lot of people on watch list that are not members. You right. know, they're just looking for nuggets because they're either struggling or they just want to get better. What what um what's certain path been or how's it been a part of your business? How has it affected your business? You know, I think. Probably like a lot of people, I have a certain level of pride and I really would love to say that I would be where I am without an organization. Like sure. But the reality is I don't think I would be and certainly not in the time frame. You know, what an organization like Certain Path does is it allows you to shrink some of those time frames. Uh, things that you would have to figure out for yourself and would take a decade, you can now come to an expo and talk with somebody else. And you don't have to learn it. If you're willing to be a little bit humble and listen, yeah. um, you can pick that up in in a conversation. And so that sort of leads me to as much as I value the resources that Certain Path gives yeah. me, the coaching, um, I would say may, maybe more than anything else, I value the relationships yeah. with the other members um, because entrepreneurship and business ownership uh, are a lonely road. And you can sit and talk to family or friends and they'll, they it's not that they don't care, they do. 
but they don't get it. Right. And so when I can meet with my tag group that I have within SGI and I go, hey, you know, this was a really hard week, like legitimately. Like I I struggled with cash flow. I had an employee quit and, you know, whatever. They go, that happened to me last week. Yeah. I get you. Yeah. And there's just a different level of understanding. And further to that, you can also go, okay, what did you do to solve this problem? What right. what's some of the steps? How can I shorten my learning curve? Why do I have to spend the next decade learning something that I can learn from somebody else? Yeah, for people that are that are watching or listening and don't know, we do have these these tag groups. You guys get together what monthly? Yeah, monthly. And and, and you, you each talk about the good and the bad and, and you can you can, you know, get some wisdom from from one another to really kind of help smooth those bumps out faster. Right. right. So that's great. Um, let's kind of wrap you up. What, what's your business going to look like in the next five to 10 years? What, what are you thinking? Yeah. Um, two years ago, I set a goal of being at, uh, 10 million revenue, which was about, uh, five X for us. Yeah. Um, we're a little bit behind this year on our growth, so I don't know if we'll hit it, but I'd rather set a big goal uh, and miss it a little bit rather than set no, no goal. Yeah. Um, so I hope to grow the business significantly because I am competitive and I am driven. But more than that, I really feel like my my mission and my calling in life is leadership, people development. And so I want to grow the business so that it can be relatively self-sufficient and I can do some other things. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, If but if I can go help other businesses or churches or people or do some coaching or or. I, I don't know. Yeah. But I know that I want to grow it and, um, and, and find another challenge. Yeah. Um, that's fun. Yeah. We like connecting with people. Yeah. That's what, what you enjoy. So, yeah. Well, good stuff. Well, Ted, thank you so much for all your time today. I really appreciate the conversation and, and best of luck to you in the journey. Thank you, Bob. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. If so, please like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're on your favorite podcast player, please leave us a five-star review. The two seconds you take to leave a review will help other success-minded contractors like you find us and hopefully get a little bit better, which elevates our entire industry. And please join me for future episodes. This has been The Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath. Support for this podcast comes from Minuteman Press to Pair. Minuteman Press to Pair is your preferred print and marketing service provider, helping CertainPath members grow their business since 2001. Through their knowledge and experience with the programs, you will receive a fast turnaround and satisfaction guarantee on price guides, inspection forms, club materials, and much more. In addition to specializing in your proprietary tools, Miniman Press to Pair also provides custom design services, templates, and a wide range of promotional items to help you market your residential business. Like you, they are committed to your success. Miniman Press to Pair is the only Minuteman location affiliated with the Certain Path Partner Network, providing member rebates and discounts. Contact Denise today for more information at 877-203-4769. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Certain Path family. Certain Path builds successful home service businesses and has for 23 years. We do it by providing contractors with a proven path to success, professional coaching, software solutions, and a member community of over 1,000 contractors just like you. Doubling your sales with a 20% net profit and an inspiring company culture is all possible. Let us show you the way. With Certain Path, success is made certain. Visit www.mycertainpath.com for more information.